Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. To support our podcast, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Sipora Shore. Dr. Sipora Shore comes from a family of educators. She is the Director of Education at Beth Tefilla Dehan Community School in Baltimore, Maryland. Prior to coming to Beth Tefilla, Dr. Shore was the principal of Beth Shalom Nursery and Hebrew School in Potomac, Maryland. While serving as principal, Dr. Shore developed the curriculum and recruited staff and students. She received the 2003 Covenant Foundation Award for Exceptional Jewish Educators, and she was also named one of Maryland's top 100 women and has received the Governor's Citation in recognition of her life's work. She was awarded Outstanding Educator in the Diaspora by Michlelet Lifshitz of the Israeli Ministry of Education in 2012. She chairs the Baltimore Jewish Day Schools Principals Association and is a member of the IAAM Board of Governors. She serves as treasurer of the Dehan Foundation and has served as a member of the board of the Associated and Ravsak. Dr. Shur remains committed to Klal Yisrael and works to promote unity among all branches of Judaism. Hello, Dr. Shore. Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Will you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in Jewish education? Sure. I was born in Israel, and I was born to a family of educators. Both my parents were born in Israel, and um, we. They, I came to America when I was uh, about a year old. And we settled in Detroit. My father was a rabbi and um, died when he was 46. So my mother, Aleha um, Shalom, raised us all and uh, raised us with the following philosophy. When people would say to her, Rabbanit, how do you do this by yourself? She would immediately say, Levadi, by myself. And then she would point upwards and say, always with God by my side. And she instilled that faith and that passion in us. And as a result, all of us, actually, my mother had eight children and all of us are in Jewish education. My mother herself was an educator. And so education is very much in our blood. And we were taught from a very early age that our um, our tafkid, our goal in life, our, our objective, our purpose in life was to give to others. And the best way, as I can see it, to do that is to teach them a love of Judaism, a love of Torah, and, and a love of learning. And indeed, that's, what, that's, that's how I got my start. So I was actually my big sister's student um, when she was a kindergarten teacher in Detroit. And then when I was about 12 years old, I took on my first Hebrew school class. I was given a job teaching a class. And of course, um, you know, I faked the sense of confidence. And so they gave me my own class. And I have been teaching ever since I was 12 years old. So I went wow. from there 
Yeah, yeah, right. So that's why I had as much experience as I do. And so I went from there to a, um, a, a career in, in, in Jewish education. I, uh, I taught high school English and math in a high school in, in Detroit. In those years, they gave jobs to, to teachers who were uh, who did not yet have a degree because there was a shortage of teachers. And so before I even finished my, my college years, I was teaching high school. And that's when I actually started dressing older than myself because my students were older than me. And that's when I started wearing high heels, which is just sort of legendary for me because I needed to seem as though I was a little bit older. And so I taught in public school. And then I moved to New York and taught in a Jewish day school there. Um, I taught English and math. And then I taught Judaic studies. I went from there to um, to Silver Spring, my husband was getting his doctorate, and I began. Uh, I taught high school there in the Shiva High School of Greater Washington. I taught in the Hebrew Academy in Washington, and then I was asked to. I was in my twenties, and which was which, uh, outside of uh, Silver Spring, and built a school at that time. Created the curriculum. I bought the materials and the books and hired teachers. And that was the beginning of my administrative life. And I have been doing that ever since and have felt without any question that it is the most fulfilling opportunity for any person on this planet. I cannot be, I cannot imagine a more meaningful life than being in education and making uh, uh, and making an imp- and having an impact on the future. I see teachers as contributing to eternity, and that's not something a lot of people can say. I agree with that. That's not something a lot of people can say. And I'm so curious: is Beth Tefillah the school you started, or was that a different school? Actually, I started school in, in Washington, came to, to Beth Tefillah as assistant principal. At the time, it had 320 students, and it went through sixth grade, then through eighth grade. And now we have nearly 1,000 students, and we go through high school. I've been at Beth Tefillah for over 40 years. I didn't start the school, but I certainly helped to build it. I did help to start the high school, which is 36 years old. There was no Jewish co-educational high school in Baltimore. And right now we are the only co-educational Jewish high school in Baltimore. And yes, I, I did help to start that high school. And it is and it gives me enormous, enormous satisfaction because I see the growth of kids from the time they're little, from the time they're two years old, and I see them develop into <clears throat> mature adults. And then I see them off. I do a good amount of college uh, guidance advocacy. I go on college campuses and so on. And so I see them into colleges and I see that there are leaders on their college campuses. One of our kids was the president of Hillel on Harvard campus, another on the University of Michigan campus. A number of our kids go on to Eretz Israel for their gap year and some stay Shanabet and become very connected and are very connected Jewishly. And that kind of nachat is enormous for me. I see children putting their children in Bethlehem. We now have 180 alumni children. So I see midolador. I see that people go from generation to generation. And the, the enormous sipuk, the enormous satisfaction I get from seeing not only my children, I call them my children, my, my students, but my children's children 
going on the same derech, on the same path that their parents went on. And that's greatly, greatly inspiring for me. Such an example of the continuity and the legacy that we have as a Jewish people. And you've seen all these generations in your school. So we have young kids. We don't yet have kids old enough to attend Beth Tefillah, but we are, live in Harrisburg. So we've had quite ah. a few friends who sent their children there. We see Harrisburg as a feeder school to us. I see Harrisburg as a, as a suburb of, of Beth Tefillah, not of Baltimore, but of Beth Tefillah. It happens to be that the kids that we get from Harrisburg are some of our most accomplished kids. One thing about the Harrisburg kids, they are the, the most mental kids I've ever seen. They all have a wonderful midot. They're they're kind, compassionate, and really connected Jewishly. And I, I'm impressed with the Harrisburg community generally. That's such kavod, I think, to Harrisburg. And do you have any advice for those of us living in a smaller community? Well, I'll tell you, with now that everybody is so connected technologically, there is a, there it, it does become um, much easier. There's no question that that, that is uh, less of a challenge than ever before. But I would say to you that if you're looking for a way to strengthen continuity and to strengthen engagement, I, I have found that the, one of the most successful ways of doing that is small, small groups, pods, um, like, like Chabura kind of situations where living room learning, where somebody takes the, 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 takes the lead on it. You have living room learning, you have a number of people who are um, either studying Torah together, studying text, um, reading a, bo- a book of Jewish interest and discussing it. And you, you create that, that, that um, engagement in a, in a very, very real, very, very um, granular way. You start, you start really in a, in a, uh, um, with, with, with a great deal of, of attention to detail. And then you can connect to larger communities via Zoom, via technology. And so if, the, if your little group becomes a solidified group and it then gets connected to a, um, a, a partner group somewhere and keep it the same, um, the same night or the same afternoon that you, that you meet with each other ongoing, you've got a, 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 a level of connectedness that could be very, very powerful. Once that happens, you start another Chabura and you connect with another group. And that, by definition, will help your community stay connected. I love that idea. I feel like that's um, maybe a wave of the future, too, how maybe uh, with this incorporation of technology, how things will move forward and even those of us in smaller communities will still have that tie and still be able to thrive because it's uh, definitely a challenge. I'm sure it is. But I think another idea is to bring in uh, on a weekly basis or even on a monthly basis, someone from a neighboring community, uh, a larger community that could clearly help to inspire. And if you have an ongoing learning group and that group has some commonality, and it is unified around a theme, whether the theme is a book or whether the theme is text. And you bring in someone, for, even even as I say, from a from a neighboring community. That group, I think, takes on an identity of its own. I think it's a, a very a very powerful tool to spread throughout a smaller community. That makes look smaller communities have something very very um, 
powerful and very, very valuable to contribute. They are smaller, so people know each other and people are indeed connected in a much more intimate way than they are in a larger community. You can use that to the advantage of the community instead of the smallness being a a shortcoming, a chisaron, that smallness can be a, a strength. Yeah, I think that is great advice. You mentioned your older sister as an educator, but are there any other educators that have inspired you or whom you admire? Actually, my sisters and my brothers are, are all educators. My oldest sister, there's a book that was just published by Art Scroll called The Mora in Uniform. That was my big sister, Sarah. And she was an incredible, incredible inspiration. If you can get a hold of that book, it's worth it's worth taking a look at it. It actually has my family story at the, at, in, in the beginning of it. Um, I, I am named for a woman. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mayor Kahana. Have you heard of Mayor Kahana? Yes. His great aunt was my grandmother, and she was ambushed on the way to Jerusalem to Tzfat. She was killed by Arabs and she and her mother and another relative were killed. I am named for her. And so that has inspired me and that legacy really is very much a part of my DNA. Sister Sarah, who passed away, was a woman who started a school in Chicago, came to Lakewood because her children were there. She moved there. And she started a school at the age of 75, and the school now has 600 children in it. So, yes, she was an enormous inspiration to me. My brother Moshe was a principal in premier schools in New York, and he, too, was an incredible inspiration. And uh, all the rest of my siblings are all in education in one way or another. So my, the real inspiration in my life was my mother. She taught us a sense of faith and pitachon emunah in God that has absolutely animated every single one of my decisions. Come from a family of educators. That's really amazing that all of your siblings ended up becoming educators. Right. And right. I think that's key, what you mentioned about your mom, because we've been talking, Ari and I, about emunah and how important and pitachon and, and how we really teach that to our own children. First off, how did your mom do that? Did, how did she model that for you? And then how do you promote that environment in, in your school? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a very interesting um, little mantra that my sister Sarah used to say in her school. She would walk around saying, and the kids all said after her, it was sort of a kind of a, a, a cue. I love Hashem and Hashem loves me. It was more than just emunah in God. It was a sense of love and connection to God and a sense of simcha in Judaism. So those two things were modeled by my mother. My mother would walk around, walk, my mother was a, a young widow who had um, eight children to raise, and yet she walked around the house singing Jewish songs. I often heard her singing. And I saw her praying, and in her later years, actually, when she moved back to Israel, after my youngest brother was married, she went back to Israel. She said, Yani, you know, Nosata I'm going back home. And every day she went to the hotel, said, all of Sefer Tehillim, every, every one of the 150 parkim of Sefer Tehillim. She modeled Bitachon, no matter how, th- how difficult things were. And I grew up without a father, and yet... My mother was father and mother to me, and she had such a deep sense of, of belief in God that we all 
imbibed in our mother's milk. And, in, and that's, that's how we grew. And we modeled it for our children. I can say to you with a great deal of humility and pride that my children have a very strong abiding sense of, of bitachon and emunah. And I try to model that in my school. So the children in our school talk about Hashem like he's their friend. They have a personal relationship with God, and we encourage it. We really encourage it. And even my high school students, I dive in with a group of girls every day, my high school girls. And my favorite tefillah they all know is Ahava Rabbah. And they, they know that it, it says that there is a love that Hashem has for us and we for him. And um, if, you, if you encourage that and if you, if you model it and if you it reinforce it, it, it's in the air. And so the two things that are in that, that kind of bitachon is in the air at that tefillah, as is simcha, simcha tachayim. And one more thing, and that is core to everything we do, and that is derech eretz. So if there's derech eretz, I model derech eretz to my students, so that I expect them to have derech eretz for me. But more importantly, if we believe that everybody is created, then no matter who you are, what color you are, how much money you have, what religion you are, I owe you, I'm responsible to give you Derek Eretz because you are created with an image in, in the image of God with that spark of divinity. I expect Derek Eretz from you to me and from me to you. Those are the principles that that truly underpin our entire school. That is very important. And I find sometimes it's lacking and we could do such a better yeah. job. Not just, you know, Jews. I think all of us as a whole, sure. just treating pe- other people with sure. with respect, recognizing the uniqueness and importance of all of us, that we're all mm-hmm. created in our ways and we have a purpose. And I mean, Koha Kavot to your mom and just the strength that she had in raising you. My mother used to pray that my children should go to Derech Hayashah. And that is actually on her tombstone. That her children should go to Derech Hayashah. Wow. That's. That's amazing. We hear about the importance of having the father and the mother and the different roles that they play. Did you have any other male role models in your family growing up? My brothers, my big brother, of course. And frankly, one of the reasons that I am the woman I am is that my strongest role models were women. And so I was brought up with a woman who said Kiddush. I was brought up with a woman who said Habdallah. I was brought up with a woman who studied Torah and said Divrei Torah at the Shabbos table. I was brought up with a woman who, who davened three times a day. Sort of can't help modeling yourself after that. And it sounds very strange to say, but my mother really was a mother and father to us. Wow, I'm really blown away by your mom. That's really amazing. Just definitely not easy anyway to raise mm-hmm. children, but to keep them with a strong Yiddishkeit, it's so, it's right. not easy at all. And I know there are so many challenges. Remember, this was Detroit. This was not New York. So this was at the time a midbar. And my mother did it anyway. I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story. My mother, when my mother died, she had to furnace. Uh, she had to per- help support herself. And so she, she was a property owner. And my mother used to take me to her properties. I was a young girl. And she taught, she, we had a shop in the basement with all kinds of tools. And she 
laid linoleum and she hung wallpaper and she uh, refinished furniture to put in her apartment so that she, she could rent them. If they were furnished, she rented them for a little bit more. And I helped to collect the rent and to keep the books. So it was not a classic female role model, even though my mother did cook and bake. She was a bust and all of that. I don't believe that role models need to be carefully scripted. They can be very fluid. And I don't mean gender fluid. I mean role fluid. There are professional women and there are women who have uh, many, many roles. It's not just a dual role, many roles. And we need to teach all of our girls and our women that they have opportunities out there that, 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 that they don't have to limit themselves. And I believe that really strongly. And I, I think I encourage our, our girls at, at, at the Phila to really believe that. We also have boys, but, and, but you see, I don't have to encourage the boys. Boys are, are brought up in a society that, had, that has an expectation that they're going to succeed. Girls are not as much. More, it's changed somewhat now, but girls are still yet at that point. And I try very hard to teach our girls that they can do anything and they are really primed for that. It's key for these young girls, I think, to see strong women role models. You mentioned already about your mom and Torah study. How do you think we can best prepare our students for building a strong Torah foundation? I think Torah has to speak to them. It can't be um, faceless and mindless. First of all, children respond well to teachers who have passion. And if there's one thing that you want in a teacher, in addition to the knowledge, the passion and the commitment has to be there. And when children see that in a teacher and see the sincerity of what they really believe in, and they live that Torah life, they can't help but be encouraged. And so we look for curricular and co-curricular activities, extracurricular activities that model that. We have Shabbatonim, for example. We have our teachers invite their students to their homes for Shabbat or for holidays and make the students part of their family. That really is probably the best way we can inculcate in our kids a sense that Judaism is real, it's relevant to them, and it is enjoyable. It is not a burden to be a Jew, but it is a privilege and a joy. Those are the kinds of things you teach at a day school level, and the kids hear it day in and day out. When their, their teachers are, are davening with them, they daven with a sense of kavanah and a sense of commitment. Kids see that. You can't fake sincerity, and they see that sincerity. That is what speaks loudest to children. So if you're going to inculcate children into a Torah life or a Torah-connected a, a, a Torah, um, life, the only way to do it is by modeling it and by teaching them that there is enormous joy, relevance, and nearness in Torah. That makes sense. Would you say it's the same whether the children are coming from a non-observant home? The vast majority of our students at Betzifel are not observant. They do not come from observant homes. 30% of our children come from Orthodox homes, which means 70% don't. And I believe that there is still an opportunity to connect them Jewishly. Our goal at Beth Tefillah is not to turn everybody Orthodox. I think that's an unrealistic goal, and that's not my goal in life. My goal is there's one word, it's an operative word, more. 
which means you get them to grow wherever they're at, mm-hmm. let them go higher. More is, is my operative word. And our, our students, if they can live a Jewish life, a Jewishly connected life, and if Judaism plays a strong role in their lives and in the lives of families, then we've succeeded. I like that because I always think to myself, we put these labels on ourselves, right? Um, I'm Dati or a, or, or a modern Orthodox or um, conservative or conservative, you know, all these things. Right. And does Hashem, does God really care about those things? Or does God really just want us to see, okay, we're growing ourselves. We're working on our Yiddishkeit, working on our relationship with Hashem and with others. Of course. What is it that God wants from us to do good with our other to to walk humbly with the Lord and to and to be kind and to emulate his his midot, his characteristics. The truth of the matter is I can't speak for God. I don't believe that he has a checklist. And I don't believe that as he goes through the world, he checks off whether you are Orthodox, Reform, or Conservative. I just don't think that that's the way the world operates. I think the world operates in a much more cosmic way. And I think that we handicap ourselves. We hamper ourselves by using labels. Right, well, I have two questions here. Since, since you're Israeli, how important is building a strong knowledge of Hebrew? How about the connection to Israel? How important One, is that? The connection to Israel is absolutely critical in raising a Jew in America with a sense of connection, connection to Judaism, to God, and to Israel is absolutely one of the elements of, it's part of the triad. You're putting a solid tripod and hanging on to that. There's connection to God, connection to Torah, connection to Israel, and then ultimately connection to each other because you're part of that tripod. I cannot fathom a school that doesn't have a strong connection to and, and loyalty to Israel with all of its shortcomings. Nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. And I don't teach our children that Israel's perfect, but it's ours. And we need to not only love her, but support her. I feel very strongly that Israel is quite an important piece of what we do. And in our school, Israel and Zionism is core. In terms of knowledge of Hebrew, we teach Hebrew and we, we have a connection to Hebrew. I believe that kids need to know text in its original. I do believe in that. And we do teach conversational Hebrew. Do you think all Jews should be in Israel or eventually will be in Israel? I believe that as many people who can for Israel should. I believe that the people who are in America and support Israel are serving also a very, very useful purpose. Ultimately, everybody's going to end up in Israel when Mashiach comes. But yes. until that, until that point, um, I think we need some supporters here in America, but I definitely think that if you can be in Israel, and if that's something that speaks to you, and you can live, you can make a life and a living in Israel, according to my children, it's a beautiful way to live, and according to my, I have a little sister who's actually the only one of us who's born in America and um, lives in um, Jerusalem, and uh, wouldn't want it any other way, cannot mm-hmm. imagine her life any other way. God willing, in the right time. But uh... that's right, exactly <laughs> right. In the right time, and everybody yeah. has their right time for sure. Education or chinuch, it can be a little bit of an amorphous term. How would you define it? 
chinuch by definition is the way of, is a way of life. Chinuch is not just education. Chinuch is modeling an approach to life and living that is centered, as I said earlier, on a relationship to God, a relationship to Torah, a relationship to Judaism. To be mechanech children is to teach them to be not just knowledgeable Jewishly and not just textually knowledgeable, but to be good people. Just as God is good, so we emulate him, just as he has midot uh, of, of, of compassion and kindness, so must we. And if, if we believe that there is goodness in God, then there has to be goodness in people and goodness with each other. That's what Chinuch is. Chinuch is teaching people to be the best they can be, not just intellectually, but, 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 but socially and, and, and emotionally. So that, that's what Chinuch is by definition. It is a path that a person goes on and it is, and it is a lifelong path. People, if people are lifelong learners, then, then they have vibrancy in their lives. The moment they stop learning is the moment they stop growing and the moment they stop truly living. Definitely. You know, I grew up going to Hebrew school and I remember some of my classmates and friends, you know, different friends, they were just looking forward to bar bat mitzvah and then they were like, I'm done. And I used to remember thinking, really? Like there's so much more to learn in Judaism. How can you be done? You can't connect Jewishly in four hours a week or two hours a week. To me, it's all about day school education. The American Jewish public doesn't entirely understand that if they put their money in anything, I'm not talking about not hospitals, of course they should, and, and poor and so on. But if they put, if they want to put their money in anything that is going to bring any level of continuity and sustainability in the Jewish community, it has to be day school education. And and unfortunately, day schools are closing or merging. Anything outside of the Orthodox are not thriving. We are mm-hmm. one of the anomalies. I mean, listen, in 10 years from now, the vast majority of Jews, and demographics show this, demographic studies, will show that the vast majority of Jews will be Orthodox. Are we prepared to accept the premise that the only Jewishly educated, Jewishly connected, knowledgeable people will be Orthodox. Are we prepared to accept the fact that outside of Orthodox, Jews will not be knowledgeable or, or Jewishly educated? I'm not prepared to accept the premise. I mean, that's what I've devoted my life to in, in Bethsaida. I am not prepared to accept the premise that in order to be Jewishly connected, you have to be Orthodox. If that's the case, then what future is there for everybody who's not Orthodox? I agree. As someone who didn't grow up Orthodox, you mentioned before, right, because you founded a Hebrew school, right? Yes. Is that part of the reason you moved on to new endeavors? Because you saw that the Hebrew school education was just very challenging? Not so much that it's, yeah, partially it is is challenging. Like you said, your classmates were done. Partially because it's challenging. But there's another reason, and that is that when I saw that it didn't result in any kind of ongoing, continuous connection to Judaism. Right. I, I said there has to be something deeper and something more, um, more substantive. And day school education, you're living Judaism. You're not just going to your public school or your private school all day, and then on the side for two hours in the middle of the week coming to Judaism. It has to be 
part and parcel of your daily life. And remember that if a child is immersed in day school education, by definition, their parents and their families are becoming closer. You know, kids kids are, are doing what their, their forefathers have taught them, and they are bringing back that information and that knowledge and that connection to to, to their parents. I, it works both ways. We, we are not just educating children. We're educating families. That's true. I, I know of so many stories of the kids went to Jewish day school and then they would come home and teach their parents. And then later on, the parents actually became more observant and, and started to, maybe they weren't keeping a kosher home and they kept, started keeping a kosher home and this and that. And what advice would you give to new educators who are really just beginning their journey? Find a mentor and make sure that you have someone that you can that you can trust that can give you guidance because being alone in the forest is 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 not is not a good way to find your way. You need you need to find a mentor and you need to find the right place and environment that's going to speak to you. A lot of kids start out in, in, in a school that they, they, they do not find satisfaction and they, they just stick it, stick around. That's not a way to do it. You find yourself mentoring, you find yourself um, a, a, an environment that, uh, that speaks to you and that will encourage your growth. If it's not going to encourage your growth, leave. Uh, it, 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 Mishnah says, Aselecha Rav, Kenelecha Chaber. If you need a mentor, Rob, and you need an environment around you that are going to support what you what you stand for. That that's the best advice I can give. Well, that's all of what we are supposed to do as Jews as Jews anyway, right? right? There's no way right. we can be an island amongst, you know, just yeah. with ourselves and we have to be learning with others. Well, remember that Lotov is said in the Torah twice, only twice. The words Lotov. Lotov Hayota Adam Levado person can't be by themselves and Moshe was told you cannot leave this people Levadecha by yourself Loto Loto this thing that you are doing so no we cannot be alone you need to have others around you that are going to support your growth and and really give you encouragement that that is the most important thing you can do and I would say to a teacher like that who has a mentor uh, a newcomer watch Every good teacher you possibly can. There's no, watching, uh, seeing something is far more powerful than just reading about it and hearing about it. If you can get into a classroom and observe every single good teacher you possibly can and incorporate their best practices into yours, you by definition will grow. So important. What do you think successful Jewish education will look like in the future? Successful Jewish education in the future will speak to a wide range of religious observance. If you really want it to be successful in the Jewish community, it needs to speak equally to general studies and Judaic studies. It needs to have a high-quality general studies program with a high-quality Judaic studies program. It needs to be a vibrant school that takes into consideration all of the most recent philosophies in education and the most up-to-date progressive ideas in education. It's not going to just speak to the mind. It's going to speak to the heart and soul. So that's going to be a successful school. And successful education means that more Jewish children will be able to access Jewish education 
in a joyous and genuine, authentic way. That's called. Well, I love that. Let's uh, hopefully that will will be Hashem from your mouth to Hashem right. up there. Dr. Shore, thank you so much for uh, joining our podcast tonight. And I really appreciate it. It was lovely to meet you. Be well. To support our podcast, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast.